You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got to ask, you're not pushing Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Beautiful weather time. Warm weather time. That time of year where it'll be 70 one day and 20 the next time. Fortunately, this is one of those 70 degree times. Lots and lots of sports to talk about time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday morning. Of course, by the time you're listening to this, it could be Thursday afternoon or evening or Friday morning or Friday afternoon, Friday evening. Could be even Saturday morning, perhaps. You're on your way to Thompson Bowling Arena for the basketball game. So whatever time of day it is, thank you for making this podcast part of your day. Joined in this episode, let's go down to the uh, Blount County Satellite Office at GoVols 24-7. Down there in Blount County in Merville, as he calls it, the County of Champions, the City of Champions. Let's go get to the one and the only Grant Ramey. Grant, my man, what's up? It's officially March, Wes. It's officially March. It is. It's crazy. It's like you, uh, you. We wait every year for for Rothstein right at midnight. On what month is it? Month. I got counts down the hours, like sixty straight hours on Twitter or something. I don't yeah. know. He schedules the tweets. I guess it's uh, it's, it's quite the online persona he lives. But I, I I agree that it is worth counting down to this glorious glorious month. The funny thing is, if you ever talk to the guy, you see him on TV and stuff. He, I, I think he lives that persona. I think he. I, uh, we, I, I think he has like a, he probably has like a digital countdown in his house, like the one here behind the studio, one behind me here, where it just kind of counts down the hours until it's March. We walked into uh, Madison Square Garden for shoot around the morning of the Texas Tech game, and one of the first person, people we saw when we got in the actual, like next to the floor, was Rothstein, and it was like that M and M's commercial where they sneak out on Christmas Eve and see Santa Claus <laughs> putting uh, the gifts under the tree, and they're like, "Wow, he really does exist." <laughs> there he is there he is and speaking of basketball we're going to be talking about a, a lot of basketball probably primarily basketball on this episode of the go Falls 24 7 podcast although i gotta tell you grant so, so you never sometimes how you can talk to someone who's not involved with a certain situation every day and they kind of give you a different perspective on something something that you don't see every day when you're kind of living in it, you know, that can be life. It can be sports. It can, it can be all kinds of stuff. But I, just before we recorded this podcast, uh, I did one of those uh, interviews on the, the SEC radio network and um, our, our good friend, Chris Budden uh, and Chris Doring, those were the hosts of, of the show this morning. And Doring said something that really kind of got my attention. He was like, you know, Wes, things don't suck up there right now, do they? And I thought about it, and I went, you know what? They sure don't. Uh, he was talking about how 
you know, he said, look at what Tennessee baseball's done. Look at Tennessee basketball, maybe being a top three or so seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, look at football kind of on its way back toward um, not where it is normally, but but back toward that place, back on the right trajectory. He talked about the Lady Vols being relevant again. He was like, you know, they're 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 good at stuff again. And I kind of thought back and thought about it, and I went, huh, you're right. Things don't suck right here right now, do they? They do not. Uh, baseball, how many runs did they score? 68 over the weekend? 68 to 3? Yeah, 68 to 3. And then they, they had a, such a letdown game against ETSU, they only scored four runs. I yeah. mean, how could they? Yeah. Just, I mean, basketball's local. doing what basketball's doing, men's and women's. Uh, it's almost spring football time. The vibes are still positive from Josh Hopple year one. So uh, what could go wrong, right? Yeah, it's true. It's funny, though, because that's the way people outside the situation look at it is they look at it and they go, man, things are really on the right track there. Things are looking good in most sports. You know, you're winning SEC titles in other sports and you're doing all these other things. And and, and those of us who have been here for a while, we're just thinking, where's it going to go wrong? Yeah. And I'm brace, that, brace yourself. And I don't think that's just because we're, you know, jaded capital big J journalists. I, I think it's. Because we've we've been here for a while and we've we've lived this for for most of the past whatever twelve fifteen years in in, in sports and and you go hmm you know where's this gonna go wrong what, what where's this shoe gonna drop what's gonna happen but generally speaking uh, things are happy and 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 I think about that and I think about the the students that are at the University of Tennessee now and if you're a freshman at UT this year you're just a student right. Think about, you know, some of those atmospheres for football that you got that first year. Think of some of these basketball scenes. Look at there, the the midweek baseball game against ETSU was sold out at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. I mean, if you're a freshman at Tennessee, you're living in high cotton right now. You're you're enjoying all these atmospheres that for a few years, if you were a student at UT, you might only get once or twice a year. They're getting it like every game now. It's crazy. The sellouts uh, are, are pretty pretty shocking because, you know, decades ago, long, long time ago, I covered a lot of Tennessee baseball where it was basically you're just counting the number of people in the stands for a midweek game against, you know, directional state college when it's 27 degrees in late February. So to go from that where you're it's friends and family only, if that is if, if the friends and family did come to the game to having midweek sellouts against uh, ETSU. I mean, you can click on down the line, the baseball schedule. It's like every game is sold out or almost close to sold out or, or nearing a sellout. That's a ridiculous kind of just the ground that they've covered in the short time that they've covered it. It's, it's been insane to watch. Yeah, I had a, a friend the other day. Um, this is probably about a week ago, and I won't say who it was, but just because uh, y'all wouldn't know him. He's just a friend of mine who lives in Knoxville. <laughs> and he, he sent a text that just went holy bleep. And of course I could think that could mean any number of million things, right? And I go, what what is it now? And he goes, I just looked at ticket prices for uh the Tennessee South Carolina baseball series and I lost my mind. And I asked him what the prices were and he started telling me what some of the prices were and I was like, man, wow. Right. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. But then again you think about it. And until they can sort of increase the size of that stadium, they've created by having that forty five hundred or so, whatever it is now, they've created like a real demand for those tickets, and they've and that really helps the atmosphere. You look at like Auburn Arena, you know, um, and and how small it is, and what kind of 
you know, atmosphere that creates. You talk about uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium for years. It feels like you walk in there and you're like, how can even 2,000 people fit in this place? It is a shoebox. Uh, it, but it creates that atmosphere. And eventually they'll get it bigger because they'll, if they keep going on this path and, you know, different, better facilities and different things. So, so it'll, it might be a little different down the road, but it, it's, it's created a really lively atmosphere there. And if you can uh, afford the tickets uh, and it's a nice weekend day or even a nice midweek weather game, I mean, it, it's fun, man. Take your kids to it. Uh, don't, don't maybe set your kids anywhere near the student section or the, the legends of Lindsey Nelson Stadium or else you'll have to explain to them words that you, they may or may not have heard already at school. But uh, it, you, you will have a good time. And they've set up like a little beer garden area for the students right there behind the student section. Um, it, it's, you know, they used to have like a playground there. <laughs> Talking to Tony Vitello before the season, he was like, yeah, we decided that um, the student section, especially now that we can sell alcohol, being right next to a playground, probably not the best idea that we've ever had. Uh, so they got rid of that. And uh, it's just a real, really nice atmosphere. They've added a second deck of porches. It's really nice. It's a big weekend for those guys, too, because they are undefeated. But um, it will be much more impressive if they're undefeated coming out of this weekend because they're going down to uh, one of the longest names for a tournament I've ever seen. It's the, uh, the Shriners Hospital for Children College Classic down there. Say that three times fast. Down there in Minute Maid Park, home of the Houston Astros. And the Vols will be playing uh, for first game they got is 8 p.m. Eastern on Friday night against number one Texas. That is a rematch from the College World Series. Uh, Texas swept Alabama last weekend, but but in three pretty close games, uh, some really in- exciting games there. And then the Vols play Baylor on Saturday and Oklahoma on Sunday. So it's almost like a future SEC Invitational. Uh, in some ways, but uh, it'll be down there in the in the Houston Astros, really nice ballpark. Not like anything else is being used for that these days, so I uh, might as well play some of those college tournaments there. All those games are going to be uh, on, if you have the MLB app on your phone or on your tablet, it'll be there, or you can go to astros.com in your browser. You can watch it there. Uh, there there's so the, so the game will be available for everyone, but it'll be on – uh, sort of the MLB app and the uh, the Astros.com site. Um, but big weekend for the Vols coming up. They're certainly excited about that, seeing where they stand after. Uh, you know, ETSU always gives them a hard game, uh, always has. That's a good program. They hit the baseball really well. Uh, they, they really, 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 really care about beating Tennessee. Um, I'm not going to call it their Super Bowl because they can still get to the tournament and do things, but it's a big, big game for them. And, and there's always some fireworks at those games, always a little bit of brouhaha. And uh, so that was a, that's a big win for Tennessee to stay undefeated going down there to Houston this weekend. Obviously, we will keep monitoring everything uh, with the football coaching staff as well. No, there's a vacancy there, the wide receivers coach. Uh, we'll have more on that uh, probably in, in the next episode of the podcast, I'm guessing. Uh, we'll, we'll see if that position's filled by then, or if not that, at least have more discussions on some of the candidates, we'll, we'll get Pat, maybe even, you know, lower our standards and get Ryan on the podcast. We, we will discuss that going forward, too. Uh, didn't want y'all to think we were ignoring it. There's just not a lot of updates on it right now. Uh, and, and to be honest, my opinion is that Tennessee, uh, it will not be hard for Tennessee to find a wide receivers coach to come coach guys like Cedric Tillman in that offense. I, I just don't think that's going to be a huge problem. That's going to be – uh, a really nice get for someone that's going to be a really nice something to put on their resume. I, I, I would not, as I drop my pen, I would not be worried too much about that uh, if I were Tennessee. Um, but before we go to break and talk a little bit more about on-court stuff, 
Uh, I do want to say a big heartfelt thank you also to everyone who donated uh, to Zakai Ziegler's GoFundMe account for his house fire. And normally, um, I don't like to tell anybody what to do with their own money unless it's, uh, you know, go to GoVoss247.com and buy a subscription with it. Other than that, I don't like telling people what to do with their own money. It's sort of a policy that I have. But uh, I, sometimes you break those walls down for special circumstances. And Zakai Ziegler, uh, his family uh, losing just about all their possessions in, in the fire over the weekend at their place up in Queens. Um, and if you know anything about Zakai, Grant, I know you do, but for, but for people listening, for him and his family and everything they've been through, I mean, I don't know what your impression was the first time you heard about the fire, but like my heart broke for a minute just thinking about everything that family's been through. Yeah, I mean, A, nobody's hurt, at least. Yes, yes. His family, his apartment, whatever, I don't know the whole, it was an apartment building, so I don't know the whole scale of, of what happened, where it started, or, or who all it affected. Um, but first and foremost, his mom's fine, wasn't hurt. That's great news. Um, his, you know, his half-brother or his little brother, I can't remember the exact, you know, situation there, what what all is, but Anyway, they're, they're good, and, and his mom was at Georgia Tuesday night, and he saw her right before the game, and he learned about it Saturday night after uh, the Auburn win, and he started his post-game press conference against uh, after the Auburn game saying he's going to be smiling a lot because he loved winning so much, and he was in such a great mood. To, to go from that to getting that kind of news, obviously, uh, that's really, really tough. Um, but at the same time, Zakai, you know, kind of the, the life he's lived since he got to Knoxville has been pretty incredible. I mean, he, he's made an impact from day one on this basketball team that he joined. You know, his recruitment process was like three weeks from visiting to committing to signing to enrolling. I mean, it was a whirlwind. And when he got here, he just – that whirlwind kind of continued. He took everything by storm. And here it is, you know, he, he's got this tragedy. And, and wouldn't you know it that uh, they can have a GoFundMe where, you know, in what uh, – less than 24 hours what 18 hours they've raised almost three hundred fifty thousand dollars. i mean that's incredible and and ziegler did come out and say thank you to everyone he also said that every everything they don't need uh everything that goes above their needs he will donate that those funds to charity which which was nice to hear um, but and and i was never sure whether i was going to mention this before the the fire incident because what what would be the point of, of that but but there had been discussions before that maybe and I'd heard this that if Ziegler did well enough in the NIL realm in the NIL space he was thinking about getting his his mom and his special needs nephew to to move down to Knoxville uh, with him so he could help take care uh, of of the of the nephew and his mom could be in a better place uh, than some of the places they've lived before and and he th- he thought that. The family kind of thought if if things could work out, they would consider that. And now, especially, they're really considering it, doing it, relocating to Knoxville. So uh, they've certainly been embraced by this community. Uh, everyone around here loves Zakai. And, and not just uh, people on the program really just like being around the guy, uh, not just in terms of basketball, but but they really like being around the guy. He's got that big, infectious smile. He's got that – um, that sort of voice that's like four octaves lower than it should be. Uh, you know, he's just a fun guy to be around. Uh, he's got confidence, he's got that big grin. And I, I just, I think about everything his family's been through and I, and I think of that and I just, you know, there are times where we see the world around us and we think, man, just this sucks. And there are times where you see news and you think, man, this sucks. And you see sports and you, you go, man, this sucks. And, and there's, 
you know, there's lockouts, there's, you know, corruption in sports, there's all these other things. And then you see things like this and you go, oh, I love it when sports are what they should be. It's like we don't get that enough, do we, Grant, when sports are what they should be? Uh, no, I think there was more outrage over a mustard bottle and a golf ball being thrown on a, a football field than actual coverage of uh, what, what's going on here. Even though I did I did see that Zakai made TMZ, which um, I would always assume that's bad news if you make TMZ, something bad's happening. That's but this, in this case, it's obviously pretty good news. So that, that was pretty cool to see them uh, get some national headlines. But I mean, yeah, you, and you're right. I checked the uh, I checked the GoFundMe. It is his nephew, not his half-brother, whatever I was talking about. Um but yeah, I mean, to give whatever you to get what you need is great. To give the rest to charity is even better um, because this this total. I mean, they set a goal of fifty thousand dollars and it was reached within like fifteen minutes, um, and it's since been it's gone so much higher. So it, it's not only Zakaz and his family is going to benefit from this. Um, it's going to be so many other people that benefit from this. And and you know, when when bad stuff does happen, unfortunate tragic stuff does happen. A lot of times, something good can happen as a result of it. That's true. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, the, the the worst situations bring out the best in us, and it's it's good to see all of that. Certainly, thank you again to everyone who has donated, or, or thank you to everyone who's at least sent positive messages to the young man. If you if you don't have the means to help, but you were you you had the means to send him a, a message, uh, thank you for that too. Um, I, I I've never had anything like that. Uh, myself in my own life, but I know I had my, my aunt and uncle, my cousins, they had everything that they owned destroyed in a fire once. And it's just, you, you know, you think about all the, you know, all the, in, in the old days, at least it was like all the family pictures that were gone. Now, of course, everybody's got phones and clouds and everything, but you know, there's documents, there's mementos, there's, you know, things that you collect that mean something to you from a life lived and you lose them and, and it, it hurts and, and nothing can replace that. But as long as your family's healthy and everything's okay, uh, and you're, you have the means or you get the support to get back up on your feet, that is a good thing. So thank you to everyone who has helped out for that. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Can't say thank you enough for that to everyone who's done that. Now what we're going to do is uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Tennessee basketball on the court because it is a very big weekend for the Vols coming up. There's a lot coming up here in the next week or so. Uh, there's a lot to discuss. There's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, big game coming up this weekend. Uh, the postseason is here, basically. It's March. Uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, Tennessee will be determining its seating over the next week or so. Lots and lots of stuff to discuss. Uh, some good, some questionable, some some we're not sure about, um, but plenty to discuss. But we're going to do that after we step away for a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, other fun things. And then we will come right back and discuss all those things on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad money! Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you heard just a moment ago during that commercial break, West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Grant Ramey coming to you from the Govals 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office down there in Merville here on a, a, a sunny, bright, crisp, beautiful, beautiful Tuesday morning. Although now, or Thursday morning, although now it's um, past 11 a.m., so Grant would consider that afternoon time probably, uh, if I had to guess. We're closing in on bedtime, really. Yeah. If you want to just really... If you really want to, I don't know, um, round up, I guess, if you can do that. Yeah, I think before before my dad has ever stepped on the tractor in the morning, you've probably already been to the gym and back. That's that's your that's your uh, usual schedule. That's my claim to fame. That you got going on there. We got lots of more Tennessee basketball to discuss here in the second segment of the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. But before we do that, guys, a quick reminder, if you could, or a quick, quick uh, recommendation, quick, uh, quick, uh, what's the call to arms, quick, uh, quick heads up. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now and go in and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast, we would appreciate that quite a bit. I know that if you're just listening on the website, we love you. No wrong way to consume this podcast. However, uh, if you could go in there on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this GoBoss 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it, but what really, really, really helps us out is the one thing, the one set of things that we ask for is if you rate and review that helps us out a lot. Also, mash that subscribe button and tell as many friends as you can. And if you're already doing all those things, thank you. If not, go yourself. That is, uh, that is the motto as I tap my pen on the table. That is, that is the motto. Grant, lots of things have happened in this Tennessee basketball season. It, it has gotten... It has gotten sort of near a place that I think a lot of us thought it might go, but it's it's taken an interesting route to get there. You know, there there have been uh, you know a couple one big injury. There have been uh, some smaller injuries, some COVID issues, some things of that nature, uh, some 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 good play, some really good play, and some less than good play. Um, but it's coming down to the final game of the regular season. Tennessee technically technically still has a chance to win the SEC championship. I very much doubt Auburn will lose at home to South Carolina. But if that happens and Tennessee beats Arkansas, Tennessee is a co-SEC champion and Tennessee is the number one seed in the conference tournament. However, if uh, if Auburn does go ahead and take care of business and Tennessee still beats Arkansas, the Vols are still a number two seed uh, in, the, in the SEC tournament coming up next week in Tampa. And it is in Tampa. We're used to that being in Nashville. And that's where it's going back for a few years uh, for a while after this, but but this is a a, a rare sort of non Nashville year where they're going to have it in Tampa. Grant, where did you? And I don't remember us discussing this or, or us voting in any polls for this. But but where would you have guessed going into the season you thought Tennessee would finish in the SEC this year? Uh, top four or around the top four, if not four, uh, five. Um, I, I wouldn't have thought one. I wouldn't have thought two. Um, but kind of in that neighborhood. Uh, I remember Ken Palm being really high on this team in the preseason based on the numbers. Um, obviously, I would have thought 
Uh, Kentucky's up there. I would have thought Alabama would be up there uh, closer to the top of standings than they are right now. Um, LSU, the same thing with them. Arkansas, the same thing with them. Um, and Auburn, I, I didn't really know what to expect of Auburn. Yeah, I didn't um, either. But I'm not completely surprised because they got Walker Kessler and they got Jabari Smith, and, and those are two really good players, and they've been a really good basketball team consistently um, throughout the season. So I thought in the top four, around the top four, uh, kind of flirting with that, if not in it, um, and that's huge. Uh, I think that's the goal. That should be the goal uh, every regular season SEC when you set out is to make, make that top four, to give yourself that double buy into the quarterfinal round on the Friday of the SEC tournament uh, and go from there. And, and this morning, uh, first of all, I'm stupid. I can't handle this stuff. Second of all, you, you make me try to figure out seeding scenarios in the SEC tournament. It melts my, melts my brain to some capacity that I didn't even know was possible. But there are multiple scenarios where Tennessee could – could be a one seed, they could be a two seed, they could be a three seed, or they could be a four seed. So um, it's it's all a factor of, of what Auburn does against South Carolina, what Tennessee does against Arkansas, what Kentucky does at Florida. So they're all – all those seedings are, are on the table, but at the same time, this top four is so tough that I don't know who you really want or who you want to avoid because playing any of these guys on a neutral floor does not seem like that much fun. I mean – what we've watched all year is how good these teams are at home and how tough it is in college basketball to win on the road. What we don't know as much about is what they're going to look like on a neutral floor and, and what it's going to look like in Tampa, kind of out of the context of, of the usual Nashville situation. Um, but I don't know, like, if, if you usually want to avoid Kentucky as long as possible. You usually want to avoid Auburn as long as possible, especially this Auburn team. But you also, I don't really want to play Arkansas if I'm Tennessee because Arkansas is a really tough team. I mean, you saw it in Fayetteville. We'll see it again on Saturday. Yeah, and I keep thinking that Tennessee might not want to see Arkansas in the tournament because I'm of the opinion that – and Arkansas used to be a team, even when it was pretty good the past few years, Arkansas was like unbelievable at home and then just mediocre or bad on the road. And now that's not necessarily quite as true, but still Arkansas is a good bit better at home than it is on the road. I I just think Tennessee will win that game on Saturday – so I, I think you probably don't want to play turn around and play Arkansas just like four or five days after that. You probably don't want to be in that scenario. Um, but then again, if you're Tennessee and, and Arkansas does, you know, spoil your big orange finale party and beat you at home, you know, it's hard to beat a good team three times in the season. So then maybe Arkansas wouldn't want to see Tennessee down in the tournament. So I, I don't know exactly how that's going to go. Um, but I, I do think that Tennessee, if I had to guess, I would say Tennessee takes care of business on Saturday, gets at least the number two seed for the tournament. But it's taken a really interesting way to get there. And, you know, that the way that Georgia game went, the more I've had to think about it, you know, and, and we said this going into that game, Grant, Tennessee wins that game 75-68. First game that Tennessee's won in Athens since 2011, which is crazy, but true. Uh, Tennessee had lost six consecutive games down there in the Stegosaurus. And I think what happened in that game was first off it's Georgia's a weird team that can play offense especially at home but it doesn't really play defense the atmosphere at Stegman's not always very good uh it can kind of lull you into playing just kind of a meh game and I think that's what Tennessee did um and winning that game is fine they didn't need style points but we talked about Zakai Ziegler's situation there in the first half or, or the first half of this episode and that was the first game maybe all year where uh, he was just not very good for most of the game. He had that one brilliant play defensively that turned into a steal, transition bucket, and all that. 
Um, but he had a he struggled quite a bit for for a bunch of that game, and then we found out why, of course. But when that happened, you realized again just how much this thing changes for this team if either Kennedy Chandler or Zakai Ziegler isn't playing very well. Because those guys, uh, they, you know, Vescovy also was ball dominant in some ways, but but those two freshmen, they handle the ball more than anybody. They're, they're kind of the straw stir in the drink. And when either one of them is not very good, for whatever the reason, um, you can kind of see that on the court, can't you? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're... – their top four scorers are all guards. So every single night that, that, that foursome of, of Santi, of Kennedy, of Zakai, of Josiah Jordan James, they're going to have to produce in some form or fashion. Kennedy's going to have to go off and the others can, can slack off a little bit, or, you know, Zakai has a really big game or Josiah goes off like he did uh, at Georgia the other night. So that production is going to have to consistently be there. And, and if you don't have Zakai, that's a, if you don't have Zakai being the normal Zakai that we've we've kind of become accustomed to over the last few weeks, that's a, that's a big blow because he's been giving you 12, 13. He's a guy that comes in, gets some steals, gets some assists. You just more than anything, when he checks in, he changes the pace of the game. He changes kind of the energy of the game. Uh, and Tessie didn't really have that. I mean, you could tell kind of from that first possession where Georgia got an open run to the rim. Uh, Josiah just kind of got beat on a back cut. He he, you know, he made a play. He got back and, and blocked the guy from behind. But you could kind of tell from that point that, that Georgia was going to do what it wanted a little bit offensively because that possession was so easy. So uh, I think what Rick said, maybe one of the most, you know, unaware, disrespectful things he's ever said was that game felt like an NCAA tournament game where you're supposed to be the team that wins this game easily. And, and, so basically you're, and you're kind of in that atmosphere that kind of feels sterile. Right. I mean, it was it was very empty. It was senior day. There's probably maybe 3000 people in the gym. It's very strange situation. But yeah, it, it, it did feel like a, almost like a neutral site between two teams that aren't from around there that didn't have a lot of fans from there uh, in that area. It, it was just a strange atmosphere from the start. Um, but if you don't have yeah, if you don't have that Zakai, if you don't have Kennedy having a big game, if you don't have Santi having his usual production. Um, if you can't find something consistently down low from one of your big guys, whoever it is. Uh, it's going to be a struggle at times uh, because this team has struggled so much on the offensive end. I mean, they re- they kind of they woke up in time and Josiah went off and they got that 15 point lead, but at the same time they gave up that 11-0 Georgia run to let Georgia get back within four. So I think if you can learn from that game and you don't have to, you're learning from a win. You don't have to learn from a really what would have been a really ugly loss. I think you can you can count it as something positive for your team. Uh, to realize this time of year you can't just be asleep at the wheel against anybody and expect good things to happen because every March you see that 15 seed, that 14 seed, that 13 seed, whatever the number is, there's a lot of them every single year where somebody's asleep at the wheel in the first round, a higher seeded team, uh, and, and it costs them and their season's over just like that. And what's interesting about that is, is Tennessee, you know, th- there's been a couple things this this team has done consistently well all or most of the season. Uh, the first thing that a lot of people would say is defense, right? They're up there near the top nationally in defense. They have been all year. So they've been, aside from the debacle up there at, at Lexington, they, they've basically been pretty pretty good and sometimes dominant defensively for, for most of the season. The other thing, though, Tennessee's done is Tennessee has beaten every team where it is very clearly the better team on the court. And that's not something that every team does. I think there's 358 teams, I believe, in NCAA Division I basketball. I think seven of them do not have a single uh, loss below quad one. Tennessee is one of those seven teams. Of course, Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky are all in that mix. 
uh, as is Gonzaga, St. Mary, San Diego State. Uh, there are not many teams in the country, though, that have done that, that, that have been that consistent against teams they should beat, which makes me think that if you're Tennessee, you know, if you're one of those, you know, if you're a three seed, four seed, even, a, you know, a two seed, maybe if they, if they beat Arkansas and then go on a run in the tournament, that makes me feel pretty good about them getting past that first round because they've taken care of business in those kinds of games all year. Even against Georgia, they didn't play very well, but when they needed it, they got it, and they've, they've beaten those teams. So that's something that Tennessee has done pretty consistently well all season. It's just a matter of uh, can Tennessee in those next couple rounds avoid one of those five, six, seven-minute field goal droughts and I don't think anything on paper suggests that that's going to happen because you got to prove that, and they've they've not done that. I don't know why it is, but when this team, you know, basketball is a game of runs. Every team goes on them, but this team, for a team that's pretty good overall, has the most consistently alarming stretches on offense that I can remember. I, I just can't remember a team that was a pretty good team like this or a good team like this that would go six, seven, eight minutes without scoring so regularly. Yeah, and I, I think it's honestly like the three-minute spurts where they, they have multiple three-minute spurts and a half where they, they don't score, they don't make a shot from the field or, or whatever. And, and it's one thing. They've also kind of specialized in, you know, making Kentucky go almost 11 minutes without a made shot or yeah. making Auburn, you know, go so long without scoring or, or whatever the, the case may be. I think they have been so good consistently defensively that you can – uh, kind of live with the the sporadic offense, but yeah, if if you are too cold, if you are uh, unable to make a shot when you really need to make a shot, I mean, we've seen them at cost them against Texas Tech uh, in December. We saw it at cost them at Texas, um, where they were really sluggish for the first thirty five minutes and and had that crazy finish and, and still came up a shot short, a point short. Um, if if you get too cold, obviously, yeah, it can cost you this time of year. Uh, all it takes is one big run from a team to get at too far, you know, to dig that hole too deep that you can't climb out of. Um, so I think the, the recipe is going to have to be what it has been all year where they're going to have to have a really good defensive stretch where they can kind of take control or, or rally or whatever they have to do in that game. Because this offense, I mean, we've seen it. This team has changed, I think, since that Kentucky loss in terms of their demeanor, their toughness, um, their ability to find ways to win games and, and, and you know, just the, the level of opponents they've beat since then. But at the same time, uh, going into March, you never know what's going to happen. You, you can't, you can't kind of revert to where you're, you're, you're going five, six, seven minutes without scoring, uh, and expect good things to happen, and, and expect your defense to perform at such a level where you're going to still be in those games. I think that's something you should expect because it's, it's what we've seen all year from this team and this offense. But it's just something you better hope the timing doesn't doesn't come back to to bite you and end your season. You know, something I really do like, though, Grant, is that Tennessee, I haven't looked at the numbers for the past, like, four or five games, but for certain the past two games have been really, really dominant offensive rebound or or just rebounding performances in general. And, you know, there were times this year where Tennessee would – there have been some games where Tennessee would hold the opponent to a pretty low percentage – but they would still give up more, a few more points than you might expect for that, and you go, why? And then you go, oh, oh, look at the offensive rebounds. That's why. 
Um, or, or, or look at look at the fact that Tennessee is not getting extra possessions by getting offensive rebounds itself, which if you're going to shoot a lot of threes, you got to get in position for a lot of long rebounds, right? We know that about Pearl offenses. We know that about the way Tennessee plays this season under Barnes. You shoot a lot of threes, Alabama certainly. You, you, you have to be in position for offensive rebounds, and you got to get ready and fight for, for long rebounds. And you have to kind of build that wall defensively to keep people off the glass. And Tennessee in the past two games has not only – played you know that good defense that we that we're used to seeing sometimes uh, a lot of the time but it's also finishing possessions with defensive rebounds and it's also keeping opponents off the glass uh, Auburn was one of the most dominant offensive performances that I've seen in a while that that was just that reminded me of that game a couple of years ago I think when A&M came to Knoxville and just crunched Tennessee on the glass it felt like one of those games I mean Tennessee had 20 more possessions than Auburn basically in that game because Tennessee dominated the glass so thoroughly. It was like 54-31 or something crazy like that. And then the Tennessee goes there, uh, uh, Tennessee goes down to Georgia and does something not as dominant but still pretty dominant on the glass. And what I like is that Tennessee is doing what you need to do if you don't have a consistently dominant big man, and that is they're just throwing all those bodies at the wall. You know, they're, they're saying, all right, you know, you know, Plovsic and Fulkerson and Hunley Hatfield and Adu, you're all getting a good amount of minutes every game. Not a great amount of minutes, but a good amount of minutes. And you're going to be fresh. And I want you to attack the glass as if your life depended on it and go get what you can get. And Plovsic against Georgia had, I think, 10 rebounds in 16 minutes. Uh, those guys are doing what they need to do there because you're not going to get a lot of consistently great offensive production from many of those guys right now. Fulkerson will still give you the odd big game, um, but he's just clearly still not physically maybe what he has been at times in his career. And, and then, you know, Plavsic is what he is, but he's a banger. He'll play hard for you. And then Adu and Huntley Hatfield have so much upside, um, but they're not consistently producing with it yet. But you throw all those all those big guys together – and you cobble together a pretty good rebounding group and a guy and guys that will do some of the limited roles that you ask them to handle. And when you combine that with the really good guard play, you get a pretty good team, right? Right. It's uh, remember Billy Madison, I think, uh, where they they have the pickle race. Is that Billy Madison? Where they're yes. at the little drive-in place and they yes. throw the pickles on the windows and they see which one slides down the window the fastest. I mean, that's what it feels like. You're throwing these pickles against the window and seeing which one's the best on that night. And, and that's, I mean, it's going to have to happen that way because that's the way it's happened for the last few weeks. And I think that it just is what it is. You're not going to get consistently uh, good production from the same guy every single night. Some nights it's Jonas Adu has a really good game. Um, like uh, at Mississippi state where he, where he affected the game uh, against Kentucky. He affected the game a lot. Uh, Folky affected the game against Kentucky a lot at home. Um, Brandon Huntley Hatfield against uh, Auburn did some really nice things. Um, I think it's um, Uros Plavsic has had some some flashes uh, since he had that really good spurt uh, uh, probably about a month or five weeks ago. So it's going to be you know what can what can Brandon give you in this game or what can Jonas give you in this game or what can Folky give you in this game. It's not going to be I'm going to rely on this guy. We really need this from this guy. It's going to be who can just step up and help you that night. Hope you can get something from a, a little bit, something from the others, and then move on to the next night. Maybe it's a different guy the next night, and that's fine because that's what we've seen. I mean, the most encouraging thing for John Fulkerson was at Georgia when they went on that 11-0 run Georgia did to get back within four. 
they finally got Folky the ball and he scored a couple times in a row to get it back to eight. Then he scored again uh, in the closing minutes when, when it was a little bit more of a comfortable lead. I thought that was pretty good progress, pretty good signs for Tennessee. And Rick, Rick Barnes kind of called it out after the game saying, Sometimes the guards got to know when they got to get John Fulkerson the ball because he's going to find a way to get a bucket when they really need a bucket. So if they can rely on him to do something like that in these big time possessions, in these big time moments in March, that would be a huge uh, development. But outside of that, it's just from game to game, trying to figure out who's going to be your best matchup, who's going to be the, uh, if, if it's Adu, if it's Brandon Huntley Hatfield, if it's Fulky, if it's Arosh, whoever it is, just figure out somebody that can give you something uh, and hope you can survive. Uh, to the next day and, and, and the next day figure out who's that next guy that's going to give you something. Yeah. And, and Grant, as I've been on some of the other like radio shows and podcasts recently, the past couple weeks, anyways, I, I've, I've tried to s- explain it by telling people Tennessee doesn't have a single great big guy, but Tennessee's got a lot of great big guys. Like they're not great players, but they're really, really large and they have a lot of them. And they just kind of throw them in you at you in waves, right? They just kind of say, all right, you're basically a seven-footer. You're pretty athletic. Go run around out there for three minutes and go see what you can do. And then we'll put you on the bench and we'll put somebody else out there and we'll see what he can do for about three minutes. And they just kind of throw those bodies at you. They have 20 fouls between the, the five of them. They will go in there and they can rebound moderately well at least. Uh, and they will occasionally give you some points. You know, guys like, you know, Huntley Hatfield obviously started the Auburn game with come back with that three. We know Fulkerson can go, can go out there and do some things uh, offensively still in spurts at least. We know that – or you, you probably don't know this yet, but Jonas Adu is going to be a really, really pretty good shooter for a kid who's almost seven feet tall. Uh, he has I'm – not, I'm not saying he's Dirk, but he can step out there and hit a shot and take it confidently, and he can make it. He's got good touch. So they can do some things, um, but they're not necessarily consistently great. Um, But they are great big guys in terms of size. So they just kind of throw bodies at you, and I think that's going to have to be the plan because, you know, that without Comal, that changes the the calculus a little bit. But um, one thing that's really helping that out is the thing that we could not exit this podcast without talking about, uh, which is – kind of quietly how Josiah Jordan James is kind of finally starting to turn into the player that we thought he would be. I don't, I don't want to announce that he's fully arrived yet because I think for those of us who have seen him play and practice for a few years, uh, him at his absolute best is such a terror on both ends of the floor, but you're starting to see uh, more consistently than we have been seeing what he can do as a player. And for a guy who's been as maligned as he is, Grant, I think it's been great to see. And it's it, specifically at Georgia, it was the development of kind of how he scored. You know, he didn't just hit a ton of threes, and, and that was all he did. He hit a lot of open threes. He hit, he hit three in that really quick succession there in the second half where they, they built that 10-point lead. I think he scored 11 of, of 13 for Tennessee uh, in that stretch where they kind of changed the game. But he hit the open three. Um, he would he would dribble in with that little pull-up at the foul line. Uh, he had really good footwork in the paint scoring. Uh, he drove to the rim and scored. He had footbacks off offensive rebounds. It wasn't just that he scored and how productive he was. It was that he scored at all three levels. He scored in a variety of ways. He kind of showed uh, what kind of skill set he can have if everything is working for him. If, if he can get that going, I mean, there was a stretch there where he went off for a few games and he went ice cold for a few games, and now it seems like he's kind of bouncing back towards being that score that Tennessee 
uh, really needs him to be. And at the same time, he's rebounding. At the same time, he's got assist numbers. He's got steals. He's got blocks. Uh, I mean, just the efficiency of his line at Georgia, 23, 8, and 5. I think he had two blocks, two steals in like 29 minutes while playing with foul trouble. I mean, that tells you what kind of basketball player he can be uh, on both ends of the floor. It's just a matter of, you know, going into March, is he going to be the guy that's heating up and, and puts up these numbers like he did uh, for a few games in a row there in February? Or is he going to be the guy that kind of cooled off a little bit later on down in this, uh, the second half of February? Um, it, it's another guy where you don't know what you're going to get night in and night out. The ceiling is very high. The floor is pretty high too. Um, but you're, you're kind of wondering, you know, when you go into these games, is Josiah going to be the guy that gives you 20 or is he going to be the guy that gives you five? Yeah. I mean, you look at it, it basically since the SEC big 12 challenge, basically, I think he's scored in double figures in maybe nine of those 11 games since then. And you look at his three point numbers since then, three of seven, one of two, four of nine, three of six, one and seven, there's the bad one. Two and five, two and four, three of seven. So he, he's been consistently pretty good offensively and sometimes really good offensively. And we know defensively what he does. Although I will say this, Mike Wilson, our good friend, is never right about anything. He is right about this. Going into the Kentucky game, I asked uh, the one in Knoxville, I asked Josiah you know, about Santi's foul trouble and, and how he's been able to avoid it himself. And since then, uh, he has fouled out of uh, he fouled out of three of five games and had four fouls in the other two. So I officially cursed that in the worst way imaginable. Uh, ever you since you missed him, you missed him like Juwan Howard missed that that Wisconsin assistant coach. Basically, yeah, that's what I did to his foul trouble. And because you think about March and you think about guard play, usually right, and and that's the one thing that to me that's so interesting about Tennessee. And this will be the last thing we talk about before we get out of here, Grant is. You start thinking about what makes a good team in March, and this Tennessee team checks a lot of the boxes for like the most important things a team has to be, uh, and then others it just kind of makes you wonder, and it really doesn't. But when you think about March traditionally, at least since you know the past couple decades, at least it's it's a, it's a time for guards, right? Guards in a lot of ways, you know, dominate a lot of things about the postseason, and Tennessee has got a lot of really really good guards. Tennessee has got, you could argue, you could argue the best backcourt in the SEC. I think that if, if you're, you know, in terms of the best individual player at guard, probably Note at Arkansas. If you're talking about, um, you know, th- those guys at Auburn on their best, they're hell on wheels. Kentucky's guys, when they're healthy, they're pretty darn good too. But I think when you look at the two-way ability of Tennessee's guards, I don't think you're going to find a better backcourt in the SEC. And guard play really, really plays in the tournament. Um, but uh, there's also those cold stretches offensively that don't necessarily play well in the tournament. And that's interesting to me because it's a team that's kind of hard to figure out. I mean, we'll see Saturday against Arkansas. If Arkansas can draw like 100 charges again, Arkansas will have a chance to win. But getting beyond that in the postseason, you're getting to a time where you think about guards and Grant Tennessee's got good ones. Yeah, what did uh, what did Pat Summit preach? Defense and rebounding, right? Yeah, Tennessee can do those things pretty well. They've, they've been they've done defensively. They played defensively well all season. Uh, recently, they're rebounding a lot better, uh, spe- specifically in the last couple of games. And then you think about March Madness and the NCAA tournament. You think about guard play, and it's it's not just Kennedy Chandler, it's Santi, it's it's Josiah, it's this guy off the bench. 
there's depth there with that guard place. It's not just the front, you know, it's not just the starters who are doing it. There's a, there's a lot of depth there to go around. So you got to think uh, game in and game out, somebody's going to show up in that backcourt and, and score for you. You think game in and game out, they're going to play really good defense. You think game in and game out, they're going to be uh, pretty decent to above average rebounding team. So that's three pretty big boxes you got to check off. And, and you mentioned it earlier in the pocket. They just haven't lost a really bad game yet. They haven't lost to a team they should beat. I think all their losses, all seven are quad one, all seven are, you know, top 22 in the Ken Palm ratings. And we talked about this, I think on the last podcast that what are the odds that you're going to face the top 22 Ken Palm team in that first weekend of the SEC tournament? You're not going to face it. Obviously in the round of 64, you're probably not going to face a, a team that tough in the round of 32. So they've shown against that kind of competition that it can take care of business. And I do think we talked about this on the last podcast too, that the the, kind of the expectation or kind of the ceiling on this team is the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. If you can get there, then you just see what happens. I think because of their defense, because of their rebounding, because of their guard play, they've set themselves up to be a team that you probably don't want to play in March or it's not going to be easy to face them in March because they do all the things that this time of year, uh, make you tough to play. Yeah, because when you look at the top, I'm looking at the top 12 teams right now in Ken Palm. Tennessee's, you look at adjusted offense and adjusted defense. Normally, if you're going to win a national title, not always, but usually, you're going to be top 20 in both of those areas, or at least a Final Four team, you're going to be a top 20 in both of those areas. And Tennessee is clearly not that. You look at the top 12 teams in Ken Palm, Tennessee's offense is the worst group in that mix. For all twelve teams in the all all the top twelve team, top teams in Ken Palm, Tennessee's offense at 49th nationally right now is the worst of the group. The next worst group is Texas Tech's offense at 43rd, and then the next is Villanova's defense at 38. Uh, other than now that, look at now look how comparable Tech and Tennessee's defense is two and three. Yeah, it's they're it's, very they're very similar team. And then Purdue is the exact opposite. Uh, Purdue is ranked 13th in Ken Palm. Purdue is. Uh, number one nationally in offense, and my goodness, that's a fun offense to watch. Defensively, 100th. So, yeah, there are teams that, you know, you look at Gonzaga, Baylor, Arizona, uh, Duke, Houston, UCLA, all those teams are top 20 in both, which plays really well going into the tournament. Houston hasn't played the same kind of schedule, but those are still teams that are top 20 in both. Tennessee had been flirting with top 25 in offense for a while there, um, but then had a couple of really, really nasty games, took things down a little bit, and now they're down to, to 49th. But uh, they have the potential to be good on offense. They, they just don't do it uh, consistently. Um, but you know what also doesn't help that is um, games where you commit, you know, like 10 charges in the game. So is there anything that Tennessee can do on Saturday to avoid that, just pull up for more floaters or what? I mean, you're, when you're the home team, you generally get, obviously, a better whistle. And specifically where you can get a better whistle is, is a block versus charge call. I mean, it's one thing to to get it to, to get that whistle at Bud Walton Arena, and we saw it against LSU Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I'm sorry how many times Arkansas got a charge that looked like a block or, you know, whatever. Um, so you, you would think, I mean, when I went to that Auburn game, trying to figure out who's going to win that game. I thought Tennessee had to have a really elite crowd. And they had to get a home whistle. I think it's the same thing against Arkansas. you got to have an elite crowd, which they've had uh, for these huge, huge games this year. And you got to get a home whistle. And I mean, when Auburn was up 11 in the second half, I thought, okay, uh, this is probably not going to end well. I don't know what it is about Auburn and, and why they play like the 96, 97 Bulls anytime they face Tennessee. Yeah. Um, 
but for Tennessee to come back from that game and, and to, to close that game the way they did over the final, what well, I don't know what it was, 15 minutes or so, um, they're tough to beat at home. They're really, really tough to beat at home. So uh, Arkansas is good. Arkansas has played really well since the last, I don't know, last couple of months. Uh, but Tennessee at home, going to be hard to beat. Yeah, it is. And uh, that's that's sort of sort of how it is. Tennessee is hard to to beat there. Of course, unless it's like if it's a Ted Valentine, he'll, he doesn't really give the, the, the favorable home whistle. He's kind of more neutral in that way. But most of the other refs that, that roll through the SEC, boy, they are home biased. So I'm sure that will be a big part of it as well. But we will be there uh, to cover it. We will be back, uh, unless there's big, huge, crazy news over the weekend, uh, we'll be back early next week to talk about uh, where things are before Grant hits the road uh, for Tampa, which I will not be going to, unfortunately. Got to stay here uh, for Hank and some, some medical stuff we got to do, but uh, that's unfortunate. But uh, Grant will be there, and we'll have a big weekend of Tennessee baseball to talk about. We might have a new wide receivers coach in football to talk about. Uh, we will have a lot uh, to talk about. But we also had plenty to discuss today, and uh, that's why we had Grant, who's the most talkative person on the planet with us. You just can't shut me up. Can't can never shut you up. Speaking of that, you got anything else? I was really mad about the the Tampa stuff, and I don't feel like driving down there. Just give me Nashville because it's closer to my house, and I don't have to. It's not much of a hassle. Uh, and then I checked the Weather Channel app, and uh, my mind changed pretty quickly about Tampa. Let's do it every year. Let's go to Miami. Let's go to the Bahamas. Let's just move it around. Yeah, the the SEC tournament every year and annually in the Caymans. Yes. Right. The Seychelles. Let's do that. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. But uh, enjoy that, Grant. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you either right before you get down there or while you're down there. See ya. So, see you, bud. Let's see here. We'll get Grant out of here. Aha! I did it before he could hit the button. I beat him to it. I beat him to it. And that means if I can just find this button right here. There it is. There it is. Now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news on your feet nothing else, you can get that at Twitter.com slash Go 24-7. You can also go to Facebook.com slash GoVols247. We update that page all day, every day. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water right from the tap, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who does an awesome job covering all things Lady Vols for us all year long and big stuff coming up for them in the tournament too. I know they've been struggling a little bit lately uh, with some injuries and other things, but Kelly Harper looks like she's got that thing going in a better direction, which is nice to see. And Maria will cover all of that. There's also two forms we have on the site that run around the clock. We've got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week and talk to thousands of Tennessee fans all over the world. No matter what time zone you're in, someone's probably up talking balls. And you can go there, and you can doesn't have to be Tennessee. doesn't have to be sports. Anything that's not political or religious in nature, you can discuss right there on the checkerboard and the summit. That's what it's there for. You also get access to the best database on the block. Awesome database covering kids all the way from high school up to college to the pro level. All kinds of great stuff on there, great video stuff. All of that and access to every every story in our huge, huge network 
All of that after a seven day free trial costs you less than one mediocre lunch per month. That's all it costs. And if you pay us that rate, on top of that, we will give you access for free to Paramount Plus, that growing behemoth of a streaming platform we have at CBS Viacom. Every show CBS has ever made commercial free, lots of exclusive shows, 1883, uh, Evil, Picard, Mayor of Kingstown, lots of great shows there, new Hollywood movies, classic movies, tons and tons of great stuff, live sports. So you got Vols, SEC, obviously, March Madness coming up, all of it's going to be on there. Uh, you get uh, NFL, PGA Tour, uh, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, World Cup qualifiers, etc. Going on and on and on. Also access to the vaults, uh, obviously CBS, uh, but also uh, MTV, BET, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian, Comedy Central. The whole spectrum, the whole family covered right there. That's a $100 plus annual value we will give you for free for nothing so we're giving you overall several hundred dollars worth of stuff for just about a hundred bucks a year nobody else can do that we can do that go to goboss247.com right now and check it out if nothing else you should hear from us guys by uh, monday so until then be good to each other it's a dangerous world out there uh thoughts everybody out there in ukraine hang in there it sucks the world's an awful place sometimes have empathy for each other we need more empathy we don't have it as people we used to have it now we don't get it again see ya